Well, okay. Good morning. Good morning. Let's jump into lesson 39. Miles set us up. Um, you know, these are, we're doing a review here. We've talked about this before. It was a couple years ago now, probably. Um, but I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this inspiration, uh, side of things. So Rideout talks a lot about the importance of the Holy Spirit and the inspiration of the scriptures. Um, our first question, and I'll maybe use that to dovetail into some personal thoughts, but the question is, how does God make a, make use of the human element in inspiration? How does he make use? I think that's the key word there. How does he use the human element in inspiration? Why did he, why did he do that? It would have been quite simple to just record his thoughts verbatim from his own mouth without humans. Couldn't he have done that? But why did he use silly old David? Why did he use rebellious Paul? Why did he use these men to communicate the words that we hold on to so dearly Without them, we would be lost. We would not know how to pray. We wouldn't know how to trust. We would not have an object to our faith. We wouldn't know the person of the Lord Jesus without these men that God used. So why did he do it that way? What do you guys think? The, the way you asked that question really helped me think this through all of a sudden. Because I'd written down, you know, the question, I'd written down my notes, you know, the, what Rido said, you know. Use men as instruments and so forth, but the question of why he would use, you know, silly old David or, you know, it really reminded me of, um, second Corinthians four, right? Common vessels used to display his glory. And I think it has something to do with his grace, but as far as I'm going to go, someone else can figure out. That's really interesting. Um, I felt the same way. It's like, God could have used you or me. He didn't, but very well could have. We're, we're no different in terms of the fact that we're earthen vessels, just like Paul, just like David, just like Daniel, just like John. These guys were real struggling human beings. And here God is, you, you mentioned grace. Why, why is it gracious that God would use fallen human beings to communicate the most valuable information ever, period. Why would he do that? I think partly because, for me, when I look at Paul and his life, and what he was before he became a believer, and the change in him, there's just something about the humanness of of Paul and all these <clears throat> Bible teachers that makes it more real to me that a, a real man like Paul could have the incredible change he did, and yet God used him to teach us, the chief of sinners teaching us. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I think I think you're on to something there, Russ, the chief of sinners. Um that's just such a 
non-human way of thinking about things. I mean, if you know, if I'm going to deliver a message to you guys, <clears throat> and it's important, I'm going to make sure that all the right people are involved, and I'm going to make sure that the right message is communicated to the T. You know, when we write emails in business, when you sign a contract to seal a deal on a real estate, you know, transaction or whatever, you're using a lot of very special and important legal language to protect yourself. Was God haphazard in using humans to communicate the most important things that you would ever need to know? We, we Obviously, the answer is no, but why? You know, J.D., one thing in, in right out, <laughs> like, you'll not, not misunderstand me when I say in one sense the Bible is all human. All the instruments used in its production were men. Think about how, how else would he do it? You know, as in, in the Old Testament, it was writing on the wall. Or was there a handwritten, I forget which. Yeah. Golden plates discovered yeah. in the hills of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, kind of very in the sim- most simplistic sense. How else could he have done it other than, yes, you find the, the whole inscribed word of God, yeah, under a tree somewhere or, you know. You have to do that through humans. So, you know, what, what, what is the, what is the alternative? I don't know, but I, I would only say, and it's a great question, right? But he didn't ha- have to do it that way. There, there must, he would have had many options, but yet he chose to do it that way. Um, and, <clears throat> you know, we talked a lot about, um, last week the the human aspect of the lord himself the lord jesus uh we went into the the fact that he is both man and and divine he is god we look at the book of psalms and we just see david i mean you know right out talks about the the sighing of the prisoner the sad confession of sin the pleading for mercy the humble gratitude for all blessings, the happy outbursts of praise and deliverance. I've got a lot of books sitting here telling me about how to be a better manager, how to give proper feedback to the people that I work with, how to stay on time. And, you know, we, we, we've got engineering resources that are exact and they're built on mathematical principles that will support the weight of the thing that you need or deliver the water in the place that you need. We've got medical texts. Um, we called it a practice earlier today, so there's that. But nonetheless, we've got we've got principles that are so outlined in in very rote educational perspectives, and yet here you have the most important information that you'll ever hear in your life, and it's written from a guy like David, who's pleading for mercy. You know, he he gets humbled, he sins, he has happy outbursts of praise, but he's up and he's down and he's all around, and yet God entrusted him to communicate very important truths about who he is and what he's all about. This idea of um, that the... I love how Rideout says that the Spirit spoke by David, but David spoke in the Spirit. That's the key, I think. That was kind of the takeaway for this first question in my mind, is that, yes, you got David, 
And the Spirit spoke by David, but David spoke in the Spirit. Do you think that that we have that privilege as well? Maybe not for the inspiration of Scripture, but do you find that same principle working in the believer's life in the church age? Not for inspiration, not for the writing of Scripture, but this idea that the Spirit spoke by David and David spoke in the Spirit. Sure, I think Isn't so. Isn't that the earth, that's the earthen vessel thing, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, when you, when you think about in Genesis that God created man in his image and his likeness, he wanted a creature he could communicate with and would communicate back with him. He wanted some, uh, a creature that was like him in the sense that he understood him and, uh, and God could have a relationship with the creature. And so everything he's done from the beginning of creating Adam all the way to the cross of Christ and and the body of Christ, the church, and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, it's all based on relationship. And so he goes out of his way, I think, to communicate to us through us. And so that there is a connection between him and us in his word and, and all of the inspiration that, that with all these men through all, you know, the whole history of, of the Bible, it's all about relationship. You guys agree? Yeah. We're just looking at, uh, Miles Stanford, uh, wrote some, some thoughts around inspiration. I'm not sure exactly what he was going through. You know, Miles writes oftentimes from uh, a place where he's dealing with error and he's trying to correct that error. Um, and he writes personally and, and sometimes it applies to our situation, uh, the, the, the Christian climate of the day. Other times it's maybe a little bit more of his own climate when he was writing, but <clears throat> I'm just going to read this to you and then see where we go from here. But the Christian, be he fundamentalist, Plymouth Brethren, and then he had the term neo-evangelical or whatever. I like how he just says, or whatever you are, who does not rely, reckon upon the work of the crucifying cross to deal with his sin nature. That Christian is in peril of losing his Bible. If the old man is left free to dominate, he is liable to sooner or later rise up and and actually start to point in the word of god where it's where there's error then miles says and this is where the contrast comes in let the crossless christian insist upon its infallibility and it will still prove to be a broken reed to his broken faith the believer who is abiding above in living union of nature with the one who says the scripture cannot be broken to him there is no question. He knows him as life. He he has and relies upon the mind of Christ. How is it that these men communicated the very mind of Christ to us? The moment we lose the purpose of the cross is the moment we start to see error in God's word. It's the moment that we try to find the places where God has to be inconsistent. That's what Miles is talking about. Hmm. To him, the Bible is God-inspired to the believing 
believe to the to the to the uh faith to the walking believer the bible is god inspired to him his present bible is everything its author declares it to be everything to thoroughly and eternally furnish him unto all good works unto the good works which god has has before ordained that we should walk in them ephesians 2:10 I, th- I just thought that was really interesting here is that it's not so much different than our own walk. These men, all throughout history, had to be dependent upon the Lord to convey his word, to convey the truth. And they went through the, the sacrificial system in order to recognize where they stood before God, right? They had to, to deal with the issue of atonement. Um, they had to dis- uh, deal with the issues of of what a blood sacrifice meant. For us, we look at the cross and we ourselves have the privilege of having the Spirit speak through us as well. Not for revelation, but for direction in our life, for understanding how do we deal with this issue? How do we think about this issue? Um, so God uses free agents. And, and the thing is, is that he uses a language that's appropriate to each of those individual men. David wrote differently than Isaiah and Paul and John, and they they had a different experience, yet they wrote in unity. Why? Only because they had the Spirit doing the, the, the speaking through them. You know, we often talk about the Lord doing the living through us, um, when I think about inspiration, not for scripture, but when I think about being led by the spirit, you know, we're, we're not different in that way. Does that make sense or is it too? Uh, JD, a, a couple things, you know, kind of two ends of, two ends of the equation. The, uh, the first is the inspiration and, and using humans and that in, in, uh, John 14, Verse 26, Christ speaking, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and what and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit, you know, when when he told them that the Holy Spirit would come and bring remembrance of all this, because I'm thinking, you know, I think here's John writing what in 85 or what or whatever. When he's writing the book of John, I forget, it's 70 or 80, I don't know, when he wrote it. And he's writing this history. Well, how did, how did he do that? You know, I have a hard time remembering what, you know, last Monday. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. but the helper, the Holy Spirit that will send him on he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that is, that I said to you. So they were able to, through the Holy Spirit, remember all these things and bring it forth. And the, the flip side of that is in Second um, Timothy three sixteen, all Scripture is inspired by God, and what profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So that's where I think the inspiration, or or for us now, we we use that inspired word to be used for all those good works that. God has laid out before us. And, and so it's the, the inspired word. It was the Holy Spirit who worked through all of these men. Now we use that word that they have to complete the work that Christ has for us now. 
I love that. I think um, what, what one of the things that I was thinking about when I was looking through these questions and thinking through what Rideout said was how how does inspiration? Obviously, we want to have the the truth. We want to know and be confident that we have the very word of God, and we know that the person and the work of the Holy Spirit is was was very involved with that in order to protect and keep in harmony the very thoughts of God through all of these different free agents. But my question kept being like, well, what does that really mean other than just being sure that we have God's word? And I think that what you just said, the word remembrance is really important for us. First of all, we have confidence that the Spirit himself guided these individual men in their own free agency, uh, their own language, and constructed the word in perfect harmony, uh, allowed their natural feelings to be interjected, and I don't know if we want to call it an interjection, but allowed them to be recorded and communicated and understood for what reason. And I think it's remembrance that you remember what I've told you. Um, such a key. And then, you know, you mentioned Second Timothy 3.16. It's not just this scripture. It's all. And so we have to define what is all. And Miles did a great job of communicating, you know, the complete canon, as we've talked about uh, before. God began and completed. The bookends are there in the scripture for your remembrance to edify you in your faith. They're not there just to make sure that God like said, hey, this is how it really is. It's for you individually, for your intimacy, for your relationship with him. That's why he did it this way, so that you can relate to a David, you can relate to a Paul, and his desire to have that personhood, to create personhood in his creature so that he can have communication and have that conversation with you, and have you remember the things that your faith should cling on to and ultimately trust is a big reason why inspiration is such a a key factor. It's not just for the fact that, hey, we can teach a class like this, and we can be absolutely sure this is what God said, but what does that mean to you? You know, and so... One of, one of the, JD. Go ahead, Miles. I was just going to say, JD and I talked a little bit recently about um, the idea of a hungry heart. Uh, Alyssa and I were talking last night about somebody who's um, kind of has a hard heart right now, and just the difference between a hard heart and a soft heart. And I think that has a lot to do with um, kind of ties with that quote you were sharing from Miles, which I'd love to have the the reference to as well, so I can look that because that's a really good quote. Uh, but, uh, you know, his, and I'm going back to what Mike was saying, that the, the word is intended to be intensely personal. And so, you know, so it was revealed through, uh, through men, you know, who knew God. And, uh, and we are to be people who know him to have his word illuminated to us. So I'm going to finish that quote real quick because uh, I think this is the, the last part of it here. That's really important. 
So he quoted Ephesians 2.10 um, about walking in the good works that God has already prepared for you. But then he goes on, he says, For the believer hid with Christ in God, <clears throat> there can be no quibbling. His present Bible is inerrant, infallible, and authoritative. Question one aspect, and you'll lose all of it. Trust all, and you have his word for it. I think that's, Mike, I've written down something on a post-it note somewhere around here. God said it, that settles it, and then I added my thought, do you believe it? Mm-hmm. Um, all scripture is given, and that's that Second Timothy 3.16. He quotes the fact that it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness. The moment we lose sight of the cross is the moment we lose sight of, of the uh, inspiration and infallibility of God's word. That's, that's his main theme there. I've got to wrestle with that a little bit, not in a bad way, just because it, it's like, oh, the sin nature absolutely cannot handle infallibility. That's not what the sin nature wants. The sin nature, what does the sin nature want to do to God's word? Fix it. Make it align with my own, my own perspectives. What else? Any, any other thoughts? Mike, you look like you're about to say something. Well, uh, the thought hit me about Romans 8, where he talks about that we don't know how to pray as we ought to pray, and that the Spirit intercedes uh, for us to the mind of God, and he lets us know what God's mind is about things. Um, I think the Spirit of God is always tracking each one of us individually to keep us uh, in tune to what God's Word says, and what his thoughts and, and his mind is about things. It's interesting to, to uh, <clears throat> you know, read the news of the day from the perspective of whatever the event is or whoever is reporting it has no idea what God's mind is. And so his, his perspective is somewhere out, way out there in left field that makes no sense. He thinks he's profound, but he's foolish. And so... God is very careful, I think, to for those who belong to him. He's very careful to keep us informed and to keep us tracking. You know, sometimes it's, <clears throat> sometimes it's, uh, you know, through a trial, but sometimes it's just through, well, let me show you what I really meant about that. And bang, he shows you, you know. Yeah, kind of jump, jumping on that, two, two different thoughts, the... You know, the the first is the word. I always say, you know, he hasn't left us alone. He's left us with the word and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Right. It's a combination of those two that, you know, direct us in life and give us the hope, the all those things. It still comes down to J.D., the same thing with Barry Harpon. You have to believe it. But, you know, we have the inspired word, word of God. We have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Those two combine to give us direction, wisdom, comfort, everything about our life in Christ. The other fact that I, it just seems we we look at what the Holy Spirit did back then, you know, when he inspired these men and all that, I, and, and it comes back to that same song. Is it the same spirit today that indwells us? Mm. 
<laughs> you know, we always kind of, well, he worked, he was back then and he did all this stuff and he was different back then. He's the exact same spirit indwelling us is inspired those men and brought to remembrance. You know, I, I don't know how many times, you know, in life where suddenly a scripture will come up or I read a scripture and it's completely different, you know, what the Lord is showing me. And it's the Holy Spirit doing that. And so, I, you know, the Holy Spirit's the same today as it was back then. You know, and I think we a lot of times we, we try and compartmentalize the Holy Spirit as working differently when, you know, came upon David or, you know, indwelling these these men who inspired the script, you know, wrote the scriptures. The same spirit indwells us today. That, that's that. Very, very humbling and very exciting, too. You know, do you believe it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's come to I'm that. Ever, I'm ever amazed at how proactive uh, the Spirit is in each one of our lives. If you look back over last week, how many times has the Spirit influenced what you thought, what you did, that He was there, that circumstances were, and that we were interacting with Him or with the Lord Jesus in a, in a manner that uh, He's always there, all the time. And it's important for him. It seems more important to him than to us that uh, he keeps us informed. You've heard the term kindred spirit. Yeah. One of the cool things about that word is, um, you know, for example, Miles and and Alyssa, totally different culture. Not, not totally, but very, very different. unique in its own way, different part of the world, uh, yet we have this kindred spirit, you know. Um, in, in new tribes, they used to use the term one talk. Um, when you had someone from your area of the world that showed up on the tribe, you know, in, on, on the field, the mission field, um, and you could actually start to talk to them about the cowboys or whatever. They kind of called it like a one talk. And then they went, they went on to explain it as like, and once you found out that they were dispensational or, um, you know, that they read that some of the same books that you've read and have learned from some of the same teachers that you've learned from, uh, you had this one talk with them. Um, but what's interesting about the one talk concept, uh, or the, the, uh, kindred spirit concept is it's actually that it's the spirit of God himself that creates a communion where I can hop on the phone and talk through my most deep, dark challenges with Mike or whomever in a moment's notice. And we speak the same language. And that has to do with the fact that God's word is inspired by that same spirit. And like Courtney said, we have that spirit working within us. We, he is developing the very mind of Christ. So when we, communicate with each other the reason we love being together and having these conversations and sharing these times together in the word is because we all are walking with that same lord jesus and his spirit and he is opening our eyes and illuminating us to the very truths that we need to remember and we remember them together and that's what creates that fellowship with us and i just find that to be so refreshing i spend all of my week working with folks that I do not have that kind of conversation with. I cannot talk 
and be understood in the same way that it can with you. And that's, that's the grace that Miles was talking about earlier. We remember together and by grace we have the ability to communicate around the things that God is doing and it changes a person's entire life when you have that conversation with other believers and you're able to have that conversation through the word of God. Um, so I'm um, over time, but I'm very excited about this topic. I, I kind of took it a little bit off the rails. Um, inspiration and fallibility and authority. That's all like hermeneutics and very, you know, theological, but I was just starting to look at it from the perspective of how God brings the truth of his word, the intimacy of his word to me, and he does it for you as well. And then we get to talk about it and remember it together. Um, that's a game changer for all the situations that we're going through, uh, health or financial or kids, whatever the, 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 the situation, we can communicate and remember together because we have not only the word of God, we also have the very spirit that that inspired and led and uh, guided those same men. We have that spirit. So I'll end there and we'll pray and uh, we'll get ready for a second hour here. Father, how we thank you uh, for your preservation of your word and how you used uh, human beings, free agents in their own way. You used geography and culture and there's so much to the word of God. But illumination and inspiration comes from uh, your spirit. And, Lord, we're thankful that you not only guided those men, but that you guide us in the remembering of those things, and you do it by your grace. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. We pray for next hour and for Mike uh, as he delivers uh, another lesson in, in the book of Romans, Christianity 101. I pray that we would just continue to grow in the foundational truths of who we are in Christ. Because you said it, and that settles it. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.